With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty. And luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back, Tiger fans, to Rocking Nation's football podcast. I'm Nate Edwards. That's Aaron Dryden, and this is Before the Box Score. We just got done watching the Tigers get mopped across the floor by Mississippi State. We're not feeling super great, but, you know, it's a it's a one-sided loss, which most of our losses have come in a one-sided fashion, so it's nothing new. Uh, the regular season is over, and now we wait our bowl placement. Aaron, how are you, how are you feeling? Um... A little discouraged, uh, trying to find some bright spots, but overall, okay. I mean, it, it's Christmas time. I'm trying to keep a good spirit. So, <laughs> well, uh, Bazelak was certainly in a giving mood since he gave the Bulldogs three interceptions, right? Basically, right to him. Uh, unfortunately, it's it's funny. You know, we talked about, or we have talked about previously, how Bazelak has has not had a lot of turnovers but he hasn't had a lot of touchdowns either and you know he's played it safe he's made good reads let the ground game do its thing and in a game where you know he finally throws two touchdowns he also gives it away three times it just kind of seemed like he felt the pressure to perform like he realized he needed to make a play because the defense was swiss cheese and he pressed and when he pressed he made mistakes and that's kind of what you expect from a freshman it's just we hadn't seen it all year yeah, he was. He's been remarkably cool, calm all year, and uh, we got to the point in the game where we kind of needed to press a little bit through the air, and yeah, he gave the other team a chance to to grab a few of them. So, 
not great overall, but like you said, he's been pretty good and pretty efficient um, avoiding those big turnovers. It just, unfortunately today, kind of game script kind of affected how he was uh, forced to play a little bit, I would say. Yeah, it's just, it also just, they weren't good decisions. Like that, no. that banister overthrow for, I think, yeah. the second interception. Like, that was, that was just bad. Just a miss. Yeah, and that one was where um, you kind of just could tell where it was just – he's just a little off today and because he, he just doesn't make those decisions. You know, you could deal with the one kind of from Chisholm. He got hit, um, and yeah. I even – I thought Chisholm could have made a play on the ball. But um, that one is excusable even. But to just – Completely misread on that one. And then the third one, which is probably the most egregious one to me, is just trying to loft the ball into a soft spot in, in the midst of three guys. It's just those are really hard throws to make. And yeah. I, I guess in a way credit to Mississippi State's defense for, for making those plays because, I mean, a lot of times you see guys drop passes like that, you know. But mm-hmm. um, today they made the plays. They did. They certainly did. It, it, it was. I feel like Bazelak's performance was very much an indicator of the Tiger effort overall. Where we just we expected more and we got less, and it feels worse. And that's yeah. okay. Like I said in my preview, Mississippi State is very good. Their defense is pretty good. Like sixty-first in the country is no slouch, especially when it's going up against the eighty-fourth best offense in the country <laughs> under the Tigers. Like these sorts of things happen. The story on offense was certainly Basilak's mistakes, but the story on defense was they didn't have any dudes. They came There's in without nobody, mis- yeah. with no Jarvis Ware, no Tyree Gillespie, and then at the end of it, they didn't even have a, a Jalen Carley out there anymore. And we had to look at Sean Robinson, uh, Chris Abrams, Drain, Mason Pack, like just throwing out walk-ons trying to stop an uh, offense that loves to throw the ball. Like I mean. What could possibly go wrong when you have no scholarship players against a team who likes to throw the ball? And it just it created a, a cycle of, like we said, Bazelak had to press and the defense really couldn't do anything. And I, I I find it hard to blame Ryan Walters or this defense, but regardless of blame, it just it was not a good effort today. No, and I think that two things can be true in, in the same way. I think that especially in the first half, uh, some of the scheme wasn't wasn't all the way there. I didn't think it was great all the time. I thought there was a bit too much man coverage, and it was very evident that they were just going to run crossers and use these speedy, fast guys to run underneath and outrun guys. And that, was, that seemed very evident, at least on social media. And then on the flip side, um, they just didn't have dudes, man. Like, they just didn't have any guys to, to, to really compete. So at the same time, uh, I understand being frustrated with, you know, schematics occasionally but at the same time the schematics don't mean a thing if you don't have the guys who can execute it they just don't yeah kobe whiteside was playing it looked like he had not played all year yep he also looked like he weighed about 320 pounds like i he he's been injured and it's tough to rehab especially in covid and i give him 100 percent credit for going out there and trying to make it happen. But he had no speed. He had no burst. He had a little push every once in a while, but not nearly enough. Nick Bolton, God bless him, was asked to just provide pressure on the outside because the ends couldn't do it. And Bolton still looks hobbled. He still does not look 100%. And he was not coming anywhere close uh, to hitting Will Rogers at any point. It just, it, it was a lot of injured 
undermanned dudes trying to do their best against an offense that just preys on speed and missed tackles and miscommunication. And that's all the Missouri defense was, and they feasted on it. So I I said it on Twitter that this loss doesn't matter. I know a lot of people said it absolutely does. Okay, what, whatever, man. Like, if you want to make this some referendum beyond, I don't know, beyond the fact that we lost with not a lot of dudes on defense, like, that's fine. But at the end of the day, Missouri was projected to win two games. They've won five, and they are going to go to a bowl game and possibly win six I don't know if they will, especially if this is the team we're trotting out. But, you know, just the big picture view here is that this game doesn't really matter because regardless of what happened, this has been an excellent season. This, Yeah, exactly. Um, this game, this season in general was a scrimmage season. This is a test season pretty much. We said that going in. The expectations were low then. And at, through the course of the year, obviously, with some of the wins that they racked up, uh, expectations have increased a bit. And I understand being disappointed in a loss like this. I definitely get it. But at the same time, we're way, way, way ahead of schedule and um, at a better spot than I think any rational Missouri fan could have expected at the beginning of the year. So at the beginning of the year, if I would have told you you're going to beat the defending national champions, you're going to beat Kentucky, you're going to beat Arkansas, Vandy, and you're going to do all of these things in a way that makes you optimistic really for the future. I think most people would have taken it. Yeah, I know I would have, I would have called you crazy and I would have taken it. Uh, Mississippi state aside, every team that has been comparable athletically uh, from a prestige, from a program standpoint, athleticism standpoint, other than Mississippi state, Missouri has hung and beat those type of teams. And mm-hmm. that's not something we anticipated coming into this season. Obviously, they got their lunch money taken by Alabama, Tennessee, Florida, Georgia, teams that just out-recruit them. Uh, Tennessee cheating to out-recruit, which is a very funny story we'll touch on later. Mm-hmm. Um, but those types of teams, yeah, when you out-athlete them, yeah, Missouri didn't stand a chance. And against teams that they, you know, the comparable uh, resources, athleticism, they, they hunt with them. This was a completely different situation. This was this was a team that was just built to take advantage of the one thing that Missouri was very terrible at kind of all year, and then they lost a bunch of dudes. So that's okay. Um, I just, if you're, if you're looking for building blocks, and I know, Aaron, you're going to do a deeper dive in this in the offseason, but, like, one of the things I want to take away from this is how hard the team was playing towards the end because, again, it's not something that you usually saw Barry Odom teams do, but yeah. just also a lot of young guys too. I mean, how, what were your feelings? You know, the game was over. They were still fighting. What what did that tell you? That just tells me um, that these guys care and these guys realize that there's a foundation being built and uh, this stuff isn't done over overnight and um, a lot of these guys are in it for the long haul. You heard – Sean Robinson say after the game when they say that they're going to change him to safety, he says, I'm all in. He says, I love Mizzou, and this is where I want to be. And I think that really is a, a testament to to the culture that's being built. It's This is a hard, hard thing to do. It just is. So um, you take your lumps, um, especially in a season as weird as this, where you just lose your depth. Like off, off uh, the beginning of the season, you lose your depth pretty much – as the season goes on, like 
I'm just very encouraged is how I would describe this year. And uh, I'm happy that so many young guys were able to get snaps because that's valuable experience. And basically we get to run, run this back next year. Obviously we miss a few guys, but we get to run this back and all these guys have all these valuable snaps, all these valuable snaps that they can use going forward. And I think that's a great thing. Yeah. I agree. I, I just when you're when you're looking at kind of a mentality of a team, uh, I mean, you've you've played football for a long time. Have you ever had a, a game where you just knew like, oh, this we're not doing it today. There's <laughs> just too much stacking yeah. against us. Yeah, definitely. Um, we used to get our butts handed to us by St. Charles West every single year. <laughs> um, it's a hometown rival, even, and it's it's kind of like. Losing to Arkansas five straight years Ugh. in a row. Yeah, I know. Imagine that. Except <laughs> Arkansas is just better. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I think that at the end of the day, we just have we just have to be encouraged. Basically, um, this team was not expected to do very much, and it sounds kind of repetitive, but if you don't take into account to where this team was at the beginning of the year, then. Um, you can't properly see this season for the success that it was. Yeah. I remember, gosh, it was like my freshman year of high school. We, uh, I was Columbia Hickman High School. We had to go play Helias. Have you ever heard of that mm. school? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Definitely heard of them. A private school, private Catholic school. We had to go down to Jeff City to play them. And it just so happened that three days before the game, uh, midterm grades had come out. And, like, Uh-oh. half our team got wiped out because they weren't going to class. <laughs> so uh, your boy got pressed into wide receiver duty when I was a tight end. Uh, I also nice. got to turn around and play linebacker when I was playing safety. Basically, everybody got pushed up the depth chart, and we were not ready. And the mm-hmm. bus ride down, like, we're like, all right, all right, this is good. we're going to do this, right? Like, we got this, – this is our – this is a lot of – you know, a lot of conflict. There's nothing going for us. We're gonna we're gonna do this. We're gonna win, and we just we just got pounded, fifty to nothing. I think is what it was. There's, it was not even close. And it was after like first snap, uh, our defensive line just got plowed over. And the dude went like eight yards. Like oh oh, it's gonna be like that. Cool. All right. Yeah. And and then we it's not like we weren't trying. It's just we didn't have it. All of our good guys were gone. We had no depth behind us. We didn't have it. And I'm not saying that's what happened here. I'm just saying that they were dealing with similar situations where, like, kind of your your stars are, are either banged up or gone, and you've got a bunch of young kids who haven't played a whole lot on the road. You know, this is our fourth road game, I think. One, two, three. Yeah, this is our fourth road game of the year. And you're putting a bunch of freshmen in the secondary. Like, sometimes you, you go in amped, and then you get punched in the mouth, and you go, oh, damn. They got us. They got yeah. us. <laughs> and – I think it definitely didn't help when you spot the team seven points in the first quarter. Yeah, that's not uh, great. Um, I feel, I honestly feel for Cade Musser. He's been pretty consistent all year, hasn't dropped any punts. Obviously, he's not very much of a threat in the return game, but I mean, his security was pretty much uh, what we were looking for. And it's just, it's disappointing. You could see him on the sidelines, definitely uh, torn up about it. And yeah. It just, it just stinks, you know. Um, it definitely affected the momentum of the game, and you could feel it immediately. Um, yeah. 7-0 for us turns into 7-7. Um, that's a potential big swing right there. We're about mm-hmm. to get the ball up 7-0 um, and get back on the field to go drive for more points, and 
boom, tie ball, tie ball game. So that hurts. Um, little self-inflicted wounds like that. Um, I guess technically that would be four turnovers in the game. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's hard to win football games, period, like that. And at the end of the day, you, you kind of look at the offensive sheet and you see Larry Roundtree, 121 yards, almost five yards of carry, a couple scores. And you see Bazelak, even with some kind of a efficient completion numbers, but just the turnovers, man. It's the, it's the big thing, the turnovers. So we got the punt recovery for a touchdown right after their first drive. There's the pick six late in the game. Was was that? There weren't any other. There wasn't a pick six, another pick six, was there? No, I think, I think it was just one. Okay, so that's 14 points. If I told you Missouri loses to Mississippi State on the road 37-32, do you feel better about it? Mm, probably, yeah. Um, I think that. It's kind of funny that you say that because I think that this 32 to 51 is a little bit lopsided, kind of in the way for Mizzou because I don't think that it was indicative of how they played. They scored 32 <laughs> points. Yeah. Know. Yeah. I mean, well, they scored 14 in the fourth quarter. Uh, yeah. You know, that's. One was on a Hail Mary, basically. So. <laughs> basically, yeah. But I will say that the onside kick, we got to give uh, Sean Ketting some credit. Yeah. Those onside kicks, he did a couple of them. Those were perfect, like literally perfect. We just couldn't uh, couldn't quite get to them, but, I mean, knowing that that's around for the future, it's yeah. a secret weapon. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, Kane said he was coming back this uh, for next year too, so we still got him for another year. Hell yeah. Um, yeah, you know, Towski Dove threw a pass, looked fine. Bit, Loved it. You know, not as much of a duck as Kiki Chisholm threw the week before, but, you know, that's mm. a little, little bit more spiral to it, which was nice. Uh, yeah, I think if you, if you, you know, you, you play that stupid game where you go, oh, you say Larry Roundtree runs for 121 yards and the Tigers get three turnovers. You're going, okay, yeah, yeah, we got him. We got him good. And no, no, we didn't. Um, so it's, it's, it's kind of just a weird game, an odd game. Missouri on the road still having some issues, which, okay, whatever, that's fine. But, uh, you look for the little things, you look for the little things as far as culture building scheme what I've been talking about literally all season. I mean, the the grad transfers this week, Kiki Chisholm, Damon Hazleton, I know it wasn't a lot, but combined nine catches, 97 yards and a touchdown, I kind of feel like that's their second good game uh, as a tandem in two weeks. Yeah, it's pretty good. That's serviceable. Um, I think Kiki Chisholm did a good job making some catches uh, in the middle of the field and taking a couple hits with it and holding on to the ball afterwards. And Hazleton, you know, chipped in with a few receptions himself. So in an ugly game, yeah, definitely. I will take that um, from those two guys. What's curious to me is there's no Jalen Knox this game. No. Yeah, and, they yeah they said he, he did not make the trip. Yeah. Uh, and so Tyler Beatty was pushed into that slot motion position that, that Jalen Knox plays. Tyler Beatty ended up with one carry for three yards and three catches for 19 yards. Yuck. We have been saying this, I feel like, in every single loss. We are not coaches. We are not coordinators. Okay, caveats aside. It kind of feels like if you're down big, that's when you put Beatty in as a back, and we saw it against Arkansas, and it worked. Mm -hmm. And we just didn't see it against Georgia. 
didn't see against Mississippi State. Just kind of makes me wonder what's why don't we see him more often when we're down big? Yeah, I think that's a really fair question to ask. I like Tyler Beatty. I love his skill set. Um, and he brings some nice things to the table. And it does make you wonder why he isn't getting, I guess, the usage that you want. Um, I, I'd like to believe that Drinkwitz is uh, such a smart guy. And I'd like to believe that he is scheming, or at least attempting to scheme Beatty into the game. But it's just kind of hard. Sometimes they take away guys. And I would be willing to bet out of the uh, – the first skill guys that you would want to limit on the Missouri offense, that would be bet that Roundtree would probably be one, and then Beatty would be number two. Yeah. So I, I, I would think that that's probably got something to do with it. But still, four touches in a game like this is, you know, it, it can't happen. It just can't happen. And He's it, too good. It feels like at the end of every, you know, at the press conference at the end of each game, Drinkwitz acknowledges, hey, yeah, I should have gotten him more touches. Okay. <laughs> when when That's does great. that stop? <laughs> yeah. When does that, that stop being said? And and maybe, you know, we've talked about how, you know, you said it's a scrimmage year. I've said before this season doesn't count for anything. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe he's going, oh, yeah, when things get tough, I need to get Tyler Beatty out there. Maybe that's what it takes, you know, five losses to to get that across his mind. I don't know. But, yeah, maybe he's – it's too late to save, you know, the arrow in the quiver at this point. We got one game left. It's right. not for anything really big. Uh, if you wanted to play him when you're down big, this this is the time to do it. So, I I hope we see more of that next year when when things start counting more and maybe Drinkwitz is playing, you know, forty chess and he's saving those those plays for a season that actually counts. Who knows? But uh, yeah, that's that's yeah, that's that's where we're at. It's kind of confusing sometimes, but. Uh, from what we understand, Beatty's back next year, so hopefully hopefully that changes in 21. Yep. Definitely hope he's back. Should be back. Um, he's a, he's going to be a key piece moving forward, um, and I think the backfield of him and Elijah Young could be something special. I think it really could. Um, I mean, is there any I mean, part of you that feels like he's not coming back at this point? Um, I can see that. There's a, I think there's a world where he where he doesn't. Demaria Crockett style just dips out kind of uh, silently, but uh, I would say that it's more likely that he comes back. That's my uh, expectation, at least. Um, yeah. Well, if we learned anything from Crockett, it's that yeah, you can leave early, but even running backs have <laughs> even the, even running backs don't always go where you think they're going to go. Is he even still yeah. in the league right now? Um, I want to say he's on a practice squad somewhere. I feel okay. like uh, I know last year I'm pretty sure he scored a touchdown in a in a game. So I think he's floating around practice squad um, territory right now. Okay, well that's a good living, but mm-hmm. certainly not what he anticipated. If I had to guess, so probably not. No. Yeah. So Tyler, come back, man. We uh, got some special stuff cooking up for you, man. Let's do this. Uh, really, the only. You had a couple of bright spots here and there, but the biggest one, certainly as we've been talking about on Twitter uh, since the game ended, is the conversion of Sean Robinson from quarterback to safety. And not just the conversion, but the fact that he's actually hashtag good and got an interception. Uh, should have had two. Should have had two. He was right there for that first one, yeah. yeah. And he knew it. When, when I heard that Robinson had switched from uh, three to 12 – 
I knew it was going to be, you know, not just a special teams thing, but a defense thing. Because Martez Manuel is number three on defense. Mm-hmm. So if you put him on 12 and we don't have a defensive 12, then you know you can deploy him. When he trotted out that first play uh, when, when Carlos was, was, was yanked from the game, his first play, he got blocked into oblivion by, I think, a tight end. Just mm-hmm. head over tea kettle right into the end zone. And I'll... I was like, okay, this is a mistake. But he, he bounced back. How many tackles did he end up with? Five tackles or something like that? Yeah, five tackles. I think he had a a pass breakup, a tackle for loss, half a tackle for loss, I believe. He was all over the field, man. Um, he only played, I think, in the first or in the second half a little bit. But, I mean, he made his impact known. Yeah. And this is a quarterback. Not only a quarterback, but like – the guy, the starting quarterback, the the one who was supposed to lead us all season. And now he's kicking butt as a safety. Like that's this isn't unprecedented territory, mind you. Do you remember, do you know the name Chaz Surratt? That name sounds really familiar. So he was a quarterback at North Carolina. And then he flipped to linebacker, I think, two years ago. And he killed it. Absolutely okay. killed it. I'll go even further far, farther back than that. Iowa State, the name Joel Lanning, does that ring any bells? No, not at no. all. No. Joel Lanning not a was a cycling guy. Yeah, that's fine. He was kind of a dual threat quarterback, wasn't super great. He looked kind of looked like Tebow, kind of slow, like a fullback okay. basically. But when Matt Campbell took over, he brought in his guy at quarterback and Joel Lanning made the switch from quarterback to linebacker in the season. He became their number one middle linebacker the next week and was actually on the Butkus Award watch list halfway through the season because he just – he it's very similar to Surratt. They're quarterbacks. They know how to read coverage. They know what their coverage is, so they know what the quarterback's going to do. So not only did they follow the eyes, but they knew tendencies of quarterbacks and started jumping into the passing lanes, getting interceptions, knowing kind of where they like to scramble. Like, you you have a mind – I'm not saying quarterbacks are smarter than other players. It's just that they have to process more information about the game at a level that most other players don't. And when you use that, for <laughs> use it for evil, if you will, when you go from offense to defense, all of a sudden you know tendencies, you know what to look for in defense, and you can cover that. Like It makes you a really good defender. And I don't know if that's going to be true for Sean Robinson, but if he wants to play uh, boundary safety, I think is where he was lining up, if he wants to do that – and kind of play in the coverage and and screw with other quarterbacks, I'm all here for it. That's excellent. Yeah. I mean, I think that he definitely has earned every single opportunity um, to make that switch and to truly get, like, a fair shot for playing time at that switch. I mean, this is not an easy pill for most quarterbacks to swallow to have your job taken and then kind of just be pushed aside, move down to third string at one point, mm-hmm. you know, and then to in a season like this where we've seen plenty of guys just opt out or transfer or whatever, and he decides to stick it out. And, and you never know what the difference um, in between a game being played or, or not. It was always razor thin this year. And having guys who are staying on despite the fact that uh, the situation wasn't very advantageous to them is – you can't say enough about it. That's a quality guy. That's a quality team guy. And that's that kind of selfless acts like that. That is something that you build forward on. Absolutely. You know? 
Absolutely. That's how you build a program, guys putting the team first. It sounds corny, it sounds cliche sometimes, but that that stuff matters. It really does. So if you rewind the clocks and you go back to January 2019, when we found out that Missouri was, you know, getting their postseason ban handed down, and we were all thinking, Oh my god, these seniors, they have they have a get out of jail free card. They can transfer anywhere they want. We're going to see this entire team leave. And, you know, Kelly Bryant just showed up on campus and he's going to bail and like all this stuff. And no one, no one moved. No one, well, I don't know if anyone thought about it, but at least publicly they said, no, not an option. We're sticking with it. And I remember we're like, holy cow, Barry's built such a great culture. This team is so together. Like, how are you ever going to see that from any other team? Well, I mean, it's true. Like, it's tough to find that from a team. Yeah. We fired Barry and, Eli's been able to hold that even even through this entire thing yeah. with COVID, with the opt-outs, like with transfers. Like, yeah, that's going to happen. But the guys he has here are 100% bought in. And it could be super easy, like you said, for Sean Robinson just to say, peace, I'm out. And what did he do? He made a sacrifice for the school. He made a sacrifice for the team. And not only did he make that sacrifice, he had a hell of a game. I think he that did. speaks a lot about the culture here. You know, whether that's 100% Drinkwitz or a little bit of Walters or whatever you want to call it, I don't care. This Tiger squad has it. The guys who have left, who have stayed here, they have it. And you got to think that that's just going to be built on as the year goes through. And I think that's a story where you put them front and center and say, yeah, this is what Missouri Tiger football is about. And and you just you run with that. And that's it's just a super cool story. Yeah. I'm I'm super happy for him, you know. I think that a lot of times, especially at the quarterback position, it's super easy to just dip, you know. It's super easy to – he could have transferred down to a lower level, got a job, started playing, blah, blah, blah. Um, but, yeah, like I said, it's just character. That's 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 good character stuff. And it's not – it doesn't – I don't. I wouldn't say that it makes you a bad character person if you do transfer, but it's more just like, man, he didn't have to do that. He mm-hmm. really didn't. And, and he decided to stick it out for the team. So kudos to him. And honestly, I say, I feel the same way about a lot of guys, especially on the defense. You know, the Kobe White sides of the world, mm-hmm. the Nick Boltons of the world, guys who are playing but clearly hobbled, clearly not themselves. And yeah. um, putting on the jersey, putting on the pads, going out there and, and working their ass off, man. It's, it's not easy. I know that it's not uh, easy to – Come back to your phone after three hours of a game like this and see people tweeting at you and saying X, Y, Z about the defense. And, like, I can imagine that that sucks, but uh, I just really want to give those guys some credit and and just, you know, Mizzou fans should be thankful. There's some really good dudes in this program. um, And this place, this this program's going in a good direction. Yeah. And, you know, I don't – we mentioned it briefly, but – Chris Abrams-Drain also filling in at corner. Yeah. You know, he's a receiver by trade. I'm sure he played probably both ways in high school because he's a very talented athlete. But same thing. He wasn't, you know, he saw a couple snaps early in the season as a receiver, uh, some as a running back, really not a whole lot, but he stepped up. And he probably knew he was outgunned every play, but he, he went out there and he did his best. And, like, he didn't have the stats that Robinson did, but, you know, it's it's that kind of sacrifice, willing to make it. It's little things like that, and and I, I I appreciate that sort of thing, like you said. Now, obviously, we lose Josh Bledsoe and Tyree Gillespie after this year, 
We got Martez Manuel's coming back. Jelani Williams did okay. I'm not saying Sean Robinson's going to get first nod at starting safety in 2021, but if he did, it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me, right? No, no, I don't. I don't think it would surprise me. Um, I do think he's going to have to work pretty hard, though. Uh, sure, sure. I think I'm. I wouldn't be surprised uh, if Stacy Brown or somebody like that starts competing for a spot because if. We're not mistaken. He was competing um, for a spot to start at the beginning of the year. He mm-hmm. was pretty close uh, from what the reports were. So I would say that, you know, this is going to be an open competition, and I would bet that going into spring ball, there'll be a kind of a mandate that, you know, nobody's spot is safe. Yeah. And if you're willing to come in here and put in the work and be the best guy in the room, then you're going to play and it's not going to matter. And we saw that this year kind of with uh, rake straw. He started every single game this year mm-hmm. and um, he's going to be better for it. So I think that there's going to be a lot of opportunity next year for guys to step in and earn spots. And Robinson will be one of them. So do you, how well do you remember the 2012 season? Pretty well. Pretty, Pretty well? well? Yeah. Do you remember the absolute butt-kicking we got at Texas A&M to close out that season? Yeah, I do. I just remember, like, kind of similar, same way, but, like, more of, like, I'm just glad that this season's over. <laughs> I mean, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And now that that was you know, that was Johnny football. Johnny Manziel. Yeah, it was like, uh, okay. They went up, this guy. I think, 42-7, something like that at the half. And I think they won 59-29, something just absolutely ridiculous, on his way to the Heisman. And that was like, okay, yeah, you threw your 400 yards and three touchdowns and all that stuff. The reason I bring that up, and it just it just kind of stuck in my mind as I was watching this game, especially towards the end. This Tiger team in 2020, much like the one in 2012, didn't have a lot to give at the end of the season. Now, granted... It's not like 2000. It's not like Bazelak was injured. We didn't have a Corbin Burke stressor taking snaps. Right. But it was a young team that didn't just was outmanned for whatever reason and got just lapped, absolutely lapped. But much like this game in 2012, they fought in the second half and they put up you know 22 points in the second half against Texas A&M. Now maybe they're disinterested at that point, whatever. But they did it. Uh, Burkstresser was connecting with LaDamian Washington and Marcus Lucas and you know, Kendall Lawrence was toting it. And, you know, we had Marcus Murphy was trying to get in there. And, and you saw a lot of young guys, yeah, they're getting their, their licks in and, and kind of only won five games and got beat pretty bad. But there was a lot of effort. There was a lot of fight. And 2013, well, you know, they went out and won the East and damn near showed up in the BCS National Championship. I'm not saying that that's, when it, that's what's going to happen next year, okay? I'm just saying the effort in the fight is in, in a very clear setting where you are outmatched and you are not going to win in a weird season. They were still going, and I appreciate that. And like you said, if you learn it now, then you're ready for the next season and the season after that. So it was a bad loss. Was, right? We lost by a lot, but... Yeah, I still feel pretty good about the effort that was shown on the field. Yeah, definitely, and like it, like you said, it goes back to the young guys that have played and seen snaps, and 
It starts at the quarterback position. We have a redshirt freshman at quarterback next year. Okay. Yep. So before we, before you even think about Tyler Macon or Brady Cook or any of these other guys, you have a guy who's an established starter and he's a redshirt freshman and he's got a full season's worth of snaps at, under his belt at this point. So, I mean, going forward, you feel really good about it. Now, um, how they surround him going forward is another question, but you just you feel really good and you feel really positive about the direction um, when you think about who's coming back and some of the building blocks um, that you have going forward. Yeah, and like you said. Keep recruiting. Like you said, we lose some of these guys. Roundtree will be gone. Bolton will be gone. But for the most part, everyone's coming back. This team's coming back pretty much whole mm-hmm. cloth. And next year will be, you know, hopefully, fingers crossed, there will be a black and gold game. There will be practices in the spring. There will be a full fall practice starting in August. And then you'll have non-conference games that you can play before your conference games. Like, it's going to be this team with a real season next year. And plus some awesome freshmen that we just signed on Wednesday. So this is kind of great. Like, whatever, like I said, this game doesn't matter. It's all figuring out what you have, and then you get to do it again for real next year, plus some some new toys. So these are good things. I know we lost, whatever, and we still got a bowl game, whatever, but it's this is easily, I was saying it on radio all this week, this is easily the best first season for a Mizzou head coach in like 40 years, and the momentum's there, and I hope he can carry it on through 2021 at least. Yeah, um, this is... This is a good thing. This is a good season. This is something you can hang your hat on. And this is a building block of a season, really. So I'm sure that right after this game, Drinkwitz and his staff are hitting the phones and they are recruiting. I'm sure they are um, very focused on the future and very focused on what they need to do. And this is, you know, this is going to be a fun team to watch going forward. And I think you've seen glimpses all year. And it's just a matter of time until they start putting everything together. Absolutely. So, yeah, that's the show. It's quick and easy, but so was the game. It's over. We got a bowl game coming up. We'll figure out where where we're going in the next couple of days. It's not going to be the playoff, I can tell you that. Uh, so probably somewhere in Florida. Uh, but, yeah, you know, we, uh, we appreciate you guys tuning in. Uh, it's been a great season so far. We'll have a couple more shows uh, this week to kind of further di- dissect what's happening and breaking down the bowl games, and we'll, we'll bring you the, all the covers that we can possibly bring. So please tune in to, to our podcast and, of course, Rocket Nation for all your Missouri sports information. So we appreciate the downloads. We appreciate the subscriptions, and you can leave a comment or you can rate us. You can follow us on Twitter. I am at Nate G. Edwards. He is at IAirDry. And, of course, you can follow the Rocket flagship at Rocket Nation. We appreciate you tuning in this time. We'll try to do better next time. And until then, M-I-Z. Z-O-U.